here. This is from 1 Kings chapter 19. So this is when uh, Elijah, Elijah had gone up to the mountain to, uh, he said, I, I came up here to, to die, right? <clears throat> and which is not true because Jezebel said, if you stick around here, I'm going to kill you. So he ran away. So, you know, if he really wanted to die, he could have just stayed there and Jezebel would have taken care of that, right? And so sometimes we say things, we don't, we don't really mean it. Not that any of us have ever done that, but the prophet did this, right? Uh, and so um, he's up on the mountain. Of course, um, there's a lot of things to learn from this. We're not going to do a dissertation on this, on this story because uh, this is just, uh, this is not the actual sermon, right? But one of the things he said, he said, I'm the only one left, right? You ever felt like you're the only one doing right in the whole wide world? You know, you've got to be careful about saying things like that. I'm the only one, you know, living for God. I'm the only one doing right. You've got to be careful about saying things like that because you know, the Lord told the prophet. Now, the prophet, you know, one of the names for a prophet in the Old Testament is seer, right, because they could see things. They could see in the realm of the Spirit. But they don't see everything, right? Only God can see everything. And, of course, we know at the end of the story, the Lord said, well, you know, there's 7,000 people that have not bowed their knee to Baal, 7,000. You know, if it's like seven, it's like, okay, you can miss seven. 7,000, what's the population of Dayton? It's about 7,000, right? Uh, it's like everybody in Dayton you didn't know was here. <clears throat> well, that's not likely, but, uh, but you know, when the Lord was, was speaking to him, this is in, in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11. This is, and he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by in a great and strong wind, rent the mountains and break into pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And, you know, uh, uh, sometimes we think the Lord is, is just, you know, this, we expect the Lord to have this huge response, right? Strong and great winds rending the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks. But it said the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And, and I know, especially in our circles, we... We want the Lord to do this, this super spectacular thing in order, to us, in order for us to believe that he is the Lord. Uh, and we think that that's required before the Lord can answer a prayer. Um, and it says in verse 12, but after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard the, heard the voice, heard it. Um, and so... Uh, Basically, it's saying that, you know, the Lord was in the still, small voice. And a lot of times, the Lord is not in these spectacular, huge things where mountains are being moved and destroyed. It's, uh, he's in a still, small voice. And the problem with a still, small voice is what's required for us to hear the still, small voice? We've got to be quiet ourselves, don't we, right? If you're talking, um, you know, the thing about uh, if you're doing all the talking, that means you're not doing any of the listening, Amen. Uh, and even if you're just having a simple conversation, if you're even talking at a, at a regular tone, even like I'm doing right now, you know, you wouldn't hear somebody whispering next to you, right? Uh, or if somebody overhears whispering, there's no way you could hear. But if I would stop talking, you know, then, then you could hear somebody else whispering. And, and, uh, and I wanted to read this in another, another translation here, in the Moffat's translation. It says, after the earthquake of fire, but the eternal was not in the fire. After the fire the breath of a light whisper. And one of the things, of course, you know, we're not going to go into how to be led by the Spirit of God, but um, in the New Testament, we have a right and a privilege to be led by the Spirit of God. And, and the, the way that we are generally led by the Spirit of God is by that still, small voice. It's not in, in the Lord making all the lights turn green or, 
you know, uh, we don't lay down fleeces in the New Testament. That's another whole discussion there. But we don't do fleeces in the New Testament. We listen for the still small voice. And in order for us to hear that, we have to spend time before the Lord. We have to spend time in His presence, spend time being quiet, spend time listening. Uh, and if we'll, if we'll do that, we will, we will train ourselves to hear from the Spirit of God. And people, a lot of times say, well, how, how, do you hear, how do you hear the Lord? Well, the way that you hear the Lord is, is to be quiet. You've got to train yourself to be quiet. In fact, the New Testament says study uh, to be quiet, right? Uh, train yourself to be quiet. <laughs> You know, a lot of times people's minds race all the time, right? To think about all the things they've got to do, all the places they've got to go, you know, all the people they've got to see, uh, and it's just, just spinning 100, 100 miles an hour all the time. And folks like that rarely hear the voice of the Lord because their minds, even if nobody can look at them, uh, see it from the outside, on the inside their minds are just racing all the time. And, and um, in fact, I remember one time I was, I, I used to observe my pastor all the time. I just watch him. Uh, see what he's doing, and, and he was just sitting on the front row one day before service, and, and nobody was talking to him. He's just there, and the Lord asked me a question. He said, yeah, you know what he's thinking about right now? I said, oh, Lord, what? Like, there be some deep, dark, you know, revelation, you know, he's going to spy on my pastor, tell me what he's thinking about. Uh, he said, you know what he's thinking about right now? I said, no, Lord. I said, what? He said, nothing, and, and that was how my pastor trained himself to hear the voice of the Lord was to, was to be able to sit there and, and to be quiet. And it's really a good thing to, to train yourself is, is to have the capacity to just be there and be quiet because that's when you're going to hear that voice. When you hear uh, the way that Moffat says, um, the, the, uh, the breath of a light whisper, the breath of a light whisper. Uh, and so, you know, people think that, um, of course, you know, a lot of the world says when the Lord spoke, speaks to you, because, you know, a lot of times when we say the Lord spoke to me, a lot of times it's a, it's a whisper. Sometimes it's revelation. It's not always like a, a voice. I know, uh, especially in a prophet's ministry, people will hear a voice almost like, you know, like it's an audible voice. But for the general Christian, it's going to be a, a revelation, a knowing. Uh, sometimes it is a, a still small voice where it's like a whisper. Uh, and you can train yourself to do that. And, of course, the best way to train yourself to do that is regardless of what you think you hear, always judge it by the Word of God. If you'll do that, you'll be safe, right? But if you get some new revelation that violates the Word of God and you're going to stick with it, you're never going to hear the voice of the Lord well. So, so this is Elijah, and it, he got new information there, right? He didn't know there were 7,000 people. And if the Lord hadn't revealed it to him, he would have never known that. Uh, and so, but I just want to encourage you about that. All of us as New Testament Christians have the right and the privilege to hear from the Lord. All of us. It's not just for ministers. It's just not for prophets. All of us have the, the right and the privilege to hear the light whisper of the Lord. And, and um, we have to train ourselves to be quiet, to be able to hear that. Amen. And if we'll do that, then, then we will grow in our knowledge of the Lord. Because the Lord, for me, the Lord speaks to me all the time. And, and um, you know, people, I know even a lot of the church would think, well, you're crazy, you know. Well, I mean, you can judge it by what, uh, what it, how it compares to the Word, and you can tell me if it's crazy, right? Um, and so, and I do, every time, every time I hear something, I judge it by the word, you know, and, and, um, and if it's not the word, I just throw it out, you know. And what I found over the years is the more I do that, the less things I throw out because, uh, you know, I only want to hear the voice of the Lord as it relates to the word of God. Amen. And so let's stand and greet us for just a minute and we'll get into praise and worship. Yes.
Thank you. Yes, Father. If you gave us our breath, Father, and you did, it's such a small thing for us to use that breath to worship your name. Father, to use that breath that you gave to us in our lungs to declare your goodness. To say that the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. Father, we will use that breath that you gave to us to speak words of life, Father. Words of encouragement, Father. Words that change the course and the direction of the earth. Father, we can use that breath to speak life into people. Father, to speak healing into their lives. To speak deliverance, Father, over them. Father, it's such a precious gift that you've given to us to be able to speak words, Father, that cause miracles to happen. To speak words, Father, that cause new life to come into people. Words, Father, from your breath that you gave to us. You said in your word, Father, that you have given to us life and breath and all things. So, Father, we will use that breath that you gave to us to advance your kingdom, Father, to see people restored and recovered, Father, and healed and blessed. Father, you've given us that, that blessing to be able to do that. You've blessed us, Father, to speak words from your breath, Father, words from your book to transfer life into people's physical bodies, Father, to cause healing to occur to cause deliverance to take place, Father. Thank you, Father, that you've honored us with such a great gift. And Father, we don't take it lightly. Father, it's such an, a, an amazing responsibility that you've given to us, Father, to watch over the breath that you've given to us, to make sure, Father, that breath goes out of us to cause people's lives to be better. So, Father, we thank you for that great and wonderful gift. And, Father, we give you all praise and honor for these things. We thank you for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, is the Lord good? He is good all the time. Amen. We thank him for his goodness, kindness, and mercy. Amen. You know, I'd encourage you just... Um, just part of my day-to-day my -day walk with the Lord is I, I, I'm all the time telling him how wonderful he is, how big he is, how kind he is, how gracious he is. Uh, it's not like it's news to him, but it's helpful for us to do that, amen, to speak these things to him. I tell him he's wonderful and he's, a, he's the miracle-working God and he's the, the, the giver of, of uh, good things, amen, that he watches over me and he speaks to me and he leads me and guides me. To all, I tell him these things. Um, and, and I'm telling him for my benefit, not his, right? It's to my benefit to remind myself that he does these things. It, it, he's never in heaven going, really, I do that? I didn't know that. <clears throat> and so let's open up a, a Bible to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We have been uh, in the, the uh, um, uh, back in, in Matthew, teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. We got to the, to the part of the Sermon on the Mount where he said, love your enemies. Uh, amen. And um, that always goes over really well, right? And so, because people like, because uh, Jesus said, well, you know, you can love those who love you. He said, but that's not really impressive, right? Uh, you ever been impressed with yourself? Lord, I, I love that person, you know? And, and um, 
The Lord's not impressed, right? <laughs> so he said, love your enemies, right? Uh, and it takes faith to love your enemies. It, it, it's easy to love those who love you, amen? Uh, and, and we like loving people that love us. Don't you like people that, if they like you? You know, it's easy to like them, amen? Uh, and uh, I have found on occasion one or two people that like me, and so, you know, it's, uh, it's nice, right? It's, uh, it's refreshing, amen? <laughs> when you find people that like you. <laughs> and so I have met many people who, who have... Uh, not been uh, uh, in my fan base and so uh, so I thought it was helpful to go through kind of first Corinthians chapter 13 we call it the love chapter and, and that's not uh, unreasonable to call it that uh, but looking at it from the amplified version because it gives us some more insight about walking in love because walking in love is one of the things that uh, it's the very first fruit of the spirit right the fruit of the spirit is love and enjoy peace and goes on the rest of them uh, but it's also the Bible said that God is love uh, over in First John, uh, and we see, you know, from the from the John three sixteen, for God so what, love the world, right? So, uh, walking in love, if you want to be the most like the Lord, you walk in the most of the love that you can, Amen. And and the, the thing in the church that I think I see that the church struggle more than anything is, is oftentimes we say walk in love, we emotion, we immediately put an emotional context on that. Uh, we we immediately put on, well, how does love look? You know, it, it smiles, it shakes your hands, it winks a little bit, you know. That's love. That's not really love. You know, Jesus whipped the people in the, in the temple. That was love, right? He turned the tables over. That was love. You know, love will always do what's best for you according to the Word of God and according to the Spirit of God. Uh, it, it doesn't do uh, what you think you want it to be, right? Because some people think, well, love is you accept me the, exactly the way I am. That'd be the saddest thing in the world for me to allow you to stay exactly the way you are. Because you're a mess. Amen? I'm a mess. Uh, it'd be sad. It, it's, it's the very definition of not love if I allow you to stay exactly the way you are. Amen? Because we all need help. Do, does any of us look like the Lord Jesus yet? Do any of us sound like the Lord Jesus? Anybody's walking on water? Anybody, you know, walking through walls? Well, none of us are, right? So we need help. And, and so uh, the uh, now some people think love is well I got to tell you you know your hair looks bad and your breath smells bad and you know your you know your collar's crooked and that's love you know tough love well that's not necessarily love either you know? what's your motivation uh, you know it, it's love is I desire for you to be better than you are today <clears throat> and, and if I'm just insulting you well, how is that love right well they got to know well they don't have to know. How many things the Lord know about you right now that, that, needs, that needs to be improving, that needs improvement? You want a list? I mean, he's got a list, right? Has he told you all those things yet? Well, why not? Because it's not necessary right now. He'll tell you tomorrow. He's got a schedule, right? Tuesday, August the 9th, uh, he's going to tell you, hey, this thing right here, you've got to fix it. But between now and then, he won't ever say anything about it. But we think we've think we got to just, you know, back up the dump truck and, and dump on everybody, tell them all their problems. Well, you know... You're, you're this and you're that, and how is that love? Amen? So there's always a time to everything. Amen? In the book of Ecclesiastes says there's a time for everything, right? There is a time for you to tell somebody, hey, what you're doing right there, you know, you don't need to do that. But sometimes you don't tell them anything. There's, I can't tell you how many times the Lord will show me something in somebody's life. What do you want me to do about that, Lord? Nothing. Except to pray about it, but you don't want me to confront them? No. I mean, terrible things I find people do. I mean, just... If, if I, I can't even tell you in, in polite company the things I know people have done and the Lord said don't tell anybody don't, don't, even, don't even address it with them okay 
You know, the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. Sometimes love just is, does nothing. Amen. So well, how do you know? <clears throat> how do you know what to do? Well, that's why we are led by the Spirit of God. Amen. See, the, the New Testament church is supposed to be led by the Spirit of God in all that we do and everything we say. So when you say something, if you tell me I just had to say it, everything you just said was a lie. Because if you have to do it, then you're saying it doesn't matter what the Lord wants to do. I had to do that. And so I'm overriding the Lord. Uh, and how many times have we done that? Well, I just had to tell them. I had to give them peace of my mind. And some, some folks have done that one too many times. They've got nothing left, right? They gave them a piece of their mind one too many times, and, and th that's it, right? They've run out. There's no more giving peace of the mind after that, right? Uh, and so uh, love will always do what's best for you in that moment by the Spirit of God and the Word of God, amen? It will never just, well, you know, tough love. That's not really a biblical doctrine, right? There's no such thing as tough love from the Bible. Love is love. Sometimes it is tough, but sometimes it's oozy and cushy and, and soft and, you know, flowery. Uh, sometimes it's that way. But other times it's like, hey, you need to straighten up. Uh, and, and, you know, it's just, uh, it depends. It depends on the circumstance. It depends on every situation. Uh, we love to turn everything to a law. That, that's, the, that's, that's always the, the, the conflict in the church is we read a verse and then we immediately turn them to law. Okay, love is, I'm always happy. I always tell everybody that I love them. No matter what they do, I always tell them that everything's awesome. Uh, and, and, you know, that's not always love. Amen? I remember uh, years ago, we had a, 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 you know, we used to do adult Sunday school class when I was my, my pastor. And he used that as a good way to kind of train people who uh, believe they were uh, called to be in the ministry because you've got to prepare a sermon, right? And, and the nice thing is the people who came there, you know, they, they were very gracious to all of us inexperienced people. And I remember I, I had been teaching for years. I mean, years, right? I had one fellow, he was there all the time. He liked coming to Sunday school, came to adult Sunday. And I had done, I mean, hundreds of messages. And after, uh, after hundreds of messages, he came out, he said, hey, you know, you're doing pretty good now. You know, I was like, well, what, what, you know, what about the other hundreds I've done? Well, those weren't so good. But, you know, the, the last few, he said they were, they were okay. And so this one fellow got up, and, and uh, the first thing he said, you know, I've not prayed or studied all week. I've just been busy, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't prayed, I hadn't prepared for the message, you know. And, and so the, it was terrible, right? It just, you know, because I'm running sound, so I heard all of the messages, right? I'm running a sound. And so he's just terrible, right? Just, just not prepared, you know, didn't, because you know, to me, it's, it's, it's an awesome responsibility to stand up here doesn't matter where I'm standing from behind a pulpit. It's an awesome responsibility. Uh, and, uh, and I know uh, things happen. Even as a pastor, sometimes, you know, you're out. You've got to visit people. You've got to help people. You know, things, sometimes things happen, right? But for the most part, you've got to be responsible. And so, he, you know, and I, he didn't, I mean, he worked a job, but, you know, he could have spent time doing that. But I, I hadn't done nothing. And so the whole message is, and he spent a lot of time talking to message about how he hadn't done nothing. Hadn't studied or prayed or, or prepared any notes or anything. <clears throat> And so, uh, what did I do when he got done? Nothing. I mean, you know, I'm not going to say anything. I, I, now, if he'd asked me, I said, well, that was terrible, you know. But, you know, he didn't ask me. So, I didn't, I, there's no, no unction on my part to tell him how terrible of a job he did. But I, I'm up there collecting the microphone from him, and, and a lady comes up uh, in the church afterwards and says, oh, you did such a great job, you know. That's your first time, and, and I know you did, you know, it's okay. You know, you did a great job. He didn't do a great job. He did a terrible job. Demonstrably terrible job. Right? If you there, he's like, man, this is terrible. I could have been home scrubbing the underbelly of my car and done more for the Lord than here, right? Uh, and, and look, it's, it's, that's what it was, right? 
But see, she thought love was to go up and lie to him and tell him he did a good job. Well, that's not love. Love is not lying to somebody and telling them you did a good job when you didn't do a good job. You know, it just, it, it's, see, that's what church sometimes will do that. They'll, they'll say, well, love is always, is always this. Well, sometimes love just doesn't say anything. And if he had said, now, I could have I told him with a kind attitude, you know, if he had said, how did I do? I, well, you did terrible. <laughs> because you said you did terrible. You, I mean, it's not, it wouldn't have been news to him. It would have been like, really? He, he knew he did terrible. He was telling us he was doing terrible. <clears throat> and, but see, the church wants to wrap everything up in this, this love as an emotion, but it's not an emotion. It's an act of faith, amen? Uh, and so you, we've got to be careful about t- turning love into a law of what we think love looks like. Love looks like whatever the Lord looks like, amen? And was he ever straightforward with people? Didn't he say, uh, oh, ye of little faith? You know, that would hurt my feelings if the Lord said, I, I have little faith. But one time he said, why is it you have no faith? Man, that's tough right there. If he said, you got no faith. That's love. Did love tell him that? Love told him that. He said, you got no faith. So, uh, well, what is it? What does it look like? It looks like whatever the Lord tells you it looks like. Amen. Sometimes, you know, didn't the Lord also say, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Well, that was love. Uh, and so, you can't, you can't put love in a box and say, it looks like this all the time. Love looks like whatever the Spirit of God tells you it looks like in that moment. And, and so you have to be willing to do that. You have to be willing to sometimes not say anything because love sometimes will not say anything. You have to be willing to say something that may be, make somebody uncomfortable because uh, if, if that's love, sometimes you've got to do that. Amen? Uh, and I have found over the years that, that uh, everybody doesn't always want to accept the love of God. When you walk in love, you know, you go say, hey, what you did was wrong. Uh, and, you know, <clears throat> that, that's not on me. That's on them, amen? And so I, I, I've got to do, to the best of my abilities, my, as far as my heart's concerned, I've got to do what I, what I believe the love of God wants me to do. Not what I think in my mind, in my emotions, but what I think the Spirit of God wants me to say or do in that moment. And I've had people get mad at me. Well, you need to do something about it. Well, love doesn't want me to do anything about it. And who are you anyway? Do I answer to you, right? Well, you've got to go straighten it up. Well, I am straightening it up in the realm of the Spirit. And so... But people, you've you got to address everything. You know, you're not doing your job. I am doing my job. I'm on my knees. What are you doing? It's not like you're just gossiping about somebody to me. <clears throat> and so, uh, you know, you, you've got to be careful. Now, the thing about love that's, that's amazing is the more you walk in love, the more, the more you see things clearly. You know, I've been, I've been, we got down to verse 5 here, right, in the, in the Amplified, where it says that uh, love is not touchy uh, or fretful or resentful. And I've been meditating on resentment all week long as far as the love of God. And, it, and it's amazing because the more I've done that, the more I've just seen it. It's like, wow, Lord. Because all of a sudden in my heart, I saw well, over here, your attitude over there, the attitude over there is wrong, the attitude over there is wrong. This has been me all week long. Over there is wrong. It's like a list. Now, anybody else done that all week long? I've been doing that all week long, you know. And, and uh, we got one sheepish row. <laughs> uh, and it's not always pretty. Because you realize, man, I'm messed up, Lord. I've got a lot of work to do. But the love of God will see, the more you walk in love, the more you see clearly who you are. And I don't get upset about it. I don't get depressed about it. And I'm like, I'm a terrible person. It's like, well, the, lo- the, the love of God is showing this to me. You know, the, the thing is, it was that way before. You just hadn't seen it. You know, years ago, I had an office where I worked at, and Chris and I worked in the same building. And, um, and so I got the brand new office. And, and so... Uh, so I walked in the office one time, and, and uh, my scissors were on the desk. 
And I'm like, I, I don't leave my scissors on the desk. I had a nice clean desk, right? It's not, not my, my desk over there is messy right now, but my office there was clean, right? No scissors. Well, and, I'm, and I walk in, I'm thinking, who would leave scissors on my desk? They went and borrowed my scissors, got, I got them out of my drawer, borrowed them, and came back and left them on my desk. They've missed all of kindergarten. You know, if you borrow something, you put it back where you got it, right? That's the rule. When you learn in kindergarten, that's what you're supposed to learn. If you walk in, the light's off. You walk out, the light's off, right? Now, you're supposed to learn those things. And a lot of people skip kindergarten, first, second, third grade. You know, missed everything from their childhood education. <clears throat> and so I'm just kind of meditating on, why would somebody come to my office and borrow my scissors and not put it away? I mean, that's just, isn't that disrespectful? You all think, what's wrong with you, right? <laughs> and so... So I'm sitting there, as I'm meditating on this, on the, the scissors, right, my phone rings, and I answer, it's my wife. She goes, hey, do you like what I did to your office? And I turn around, and the whole office had been redecorated, and I completely missed all of that, because I'm, all I see is the scissors, right? And see, that's what love will do. All of a sudden, everything was there, it was always there when I walked in, but I didn't see it. And then, and then all of a sudden, I saw it all. And that love will do that for you. If you'll walk in love, you'll see that. And what you'll see is you. More than anything else, you'll see you. You see where you messed up. You see how you do it. And, and I mean, it's, and I've told you so many times how many times the Lord has, has gotten onto me about uh, about uh, about Chris, right? About just because uh, you're you're married here every day, right? And so this resentment, the Lord just showed me just little because resentment is like low grade unforgiveness, right? It's it's these little things that just keep piling up, piling up, and all of a sudden, you know, just I don't love you. Well, you know, why not? You know, I told you about uh, Chris. And, and she's genetically incapable of turning off her office lights, right? I mean, we've lived there for 2014. Thousands of times she's turned that light off. Hundreds of times I've turned it back off, right? I mean, she'd turn it on, she'd walk up, and don't turn it off. Well, you know. Well, see, uh, uh, if I came to you and said, well, Chris and I are getting a divorce. Why not? Because one time she didn't turn off her life, her light. You think, well, you're crazy. One, one time? But, you know, if I said, well, if it's a thousand times, you can, oh, okay, yeah, I, I can see that. One time, no. A thousand times, yeah, throw her out the door. She's out of here, right? <clears throat> well, see, that's resentment. Because you think it would be absurd to get upset because she didn't turn the light off one time, right? It'd be absurd. But, uh, but see, that resentment, one time, you go, well, you know, maybe. But after two times, five times, a hundred times, well, she doesn't respect me. She thinks I work for her. She thinks that, you know, I should be turning off the lights. That's not my job. You know, that's a woman's job, turn off the light, right? And so, you know, resentment will, will excuse your ill will because that's what it is. It's ill will, right? But resentment will pile up on itself. And if you're not careful, and, and, I, and I, I can tell you, there was a time when I was turning off that light that that resentment started to rise up. But that's the dumbest thing. I will, I will go to my grave turning this light off every day just to make sure I don't, I, I'm not going to be in a resentment about this thing, right? And so I never said anything to her about it with the because I wanted to prove to my heart that I'm not going to get into resentment about the dumbest thing in the world, a light switch, right? <clears throat> uh, but how many things have we done that for? Right? How many times ha have we done this uh, like that? You know, I, I remember years ago, and this has been a thousand years ago, right? Because I'm not this way at all now. I'm perfect now, but I used to not be perfect, but I'm perfect now. Uh, but, <clears throat> you know, we'd be driving around and heading somewhere, and my wife would say, no, don't forget to turn right there. And that resentment would rise up, you know. I know where I'm going, because by law as a man, you're supposed to know where you're going, right? You don't need any, I don't need no stupid maps. It's for children, right? Uh, I know where I'm going. Don't you tell me where to go. And that would rise up in me, you know. And, and more than once, I let it use me. I'm more than once, you know, I just, you know, just kind of bit her head off. I know where I'm going. <clears throat> and and uh, 
we all get to grow up, don't we, right? Anybody have to grow up? Anybody still need to grow up in that area, right? You might need to grow up in that area. Uh, but, what, but I train myself that, see, uh, how dare she tell me where to go? That when that, when that emotion would rise up, because it's just resentment, how dare she tell me where to go? I mean, isn't it the dumbest thing in the world? You think, you're, you're so childish. Well, welcome to the human race, right? We're all this way, amen? Uh, I mean, you, you may, I don't do that. You want a list of things you do do? I mean, don't, don't push it, right? Because the Spirit of God be like, here's a list, right? <clears throat> and so, uh, uh, but <clears throat> that, that resentment would rise up. And so I just made a point to not, to not respond and, and, and not just not respond, but get that out of my heart. So that when she says that, it's not there. Because a lot of times we think, if I just bite a nail, I'm good. No, you're not really good. You're halfway there, but you're not all the way there. You've got to get to where there's no nail to begin with. You've got to get to where, when she says, you go, yeah, fine, no problem. It will turn there, right? Now, one time, she's not here, so I'm telling tell her. We were, we were driving from here to there, and, and we had to turn somewhere about a mile ahead, right? We had to turn. Now, now it was at, at night, and, and usually by law, when Chris gets into the passenger she immediately goes to sleep, right? You know, it's like, thanks for the help. I mean, she just passed out. And, and, and so she's just, I'm driving, right? And, and I'm, I know where I'm going. And, and she's, she's in a coma, right? She's next, she's right there. And, and the, the turn's coming up. Well, we're not there yet, but the turn's coming up. And just right in the middle of the road, she just bolts up out of her chair. And she, you missed your turn. And I'm like, you were asleep five seconds. How would you even know where I'm at? And she was completely wrong, right? And so... <clears throat> So that was one time when I could tell her, well, you're wrong, you know. Uh, every other time she was right. Uh, but, but that resentment, you know, and the Lord all week long just showed me, just, and little things, just tiny things that nobody would ever notice except for the Lord. See, the Lord will notice it because a little resentment is, is a little too much for the Lord. Because the love of God, here's the thing about the love of God. If, if you will do this, if you will, if, you will, if you will pursue this in your life, because every step out of love, every step into resentment is a step out of love. And what's the, what are you missing? You're missing the power of God. The more you walk in love of God, the more you are like God. The more the power of God resides in your life. It's not just, I've got to be good to you know, people. So, you know, because that's what people think Christians are. These people just, Christians are so good. No, that's not it. It's, it's, I want to be like God the most. And the more that I'm in resentment, the less I am like the Lord. Well, I don't want to be less like the Lord. I want to be more like Him because the more I'm like Him, the healthier I am, the happier I am, the more prosperous I am. The more that I walk in Him, the more I'm like Him. Well, he, is He healthy? Any sickness and disease in heaven? Any poverty or lack in heaven? Any, any moldy grubs or depression or sadness in heaven? None of that's in heaven. Amen? So, so the question for us, are you willing to do this? Are you willing to, to, when the Lord shows you, hey, that, that you get mad because you had to turn on the light switch? Are you willing to give that up? Well, she needs to know. She needs to not do that. She needs to respect me. I'm the man of the house. See, all you're doing is justifying sin. I mean, that's all you're doing, right? I mean, I've done it. You've done it. We've all done it. Well, they need to know. It's like, they don't need to know. The love of God would be like, no, they don't need to know. You need to train your flesh to be quiet and to tell your flesh to shut up because that's what, you're, it, that's what it is. It's your flesh. It's not the Lord telling you to get mad because the light switch has not been turned off. It's not the Lord telling you to get mad because your wife is giving you directions. Usually when we drive, it's like it's driving by committee. I mean, front seat, back seat, everybody. Hey, don't miss your turn. I've got that machine right there. Even the machine is bossy, right? She's in, turn now. And if you miss your turn, oh, you missed your turn. It's like, shut up. I know I'm missing my turn. And so, I mean, everybody, you know, I mean, it's usually driving by committee. And if Chris is in the back seat, hey, don't forget to turn. 
I've got a front passenger seat. I've got the machine there. I've got a brain myself, you know. Uh, and so it's good, it's good training to, to make sure that that little man on the inside doesn't rise up. Because every time that little man rises up, you're one step out of love. And if you're one step out of love, you're one step out of the fullness of the blessings of God. Amen. I want all of God. I want, and, and for me, it's like it doesn't matter what the cost is. If I've got to give up being mad about a light switch to be more in the love of God, that's a small price to pay. But see, some people, I ain't, I ain't, they need to know. They need to know. They don't need to do that. And I have seen people uh, over the years get in resentment about everything in the world. And, you know, uh, years ago, we had a family come to church here, and, um, and I was teaching on possessing uh, the promised land. It's a great message. I still like the message. Uh, and um, I was going through and showing how in the book of Deuteronomy, how, you know, right before they went to the promised land, Moses was giving them all these instructions. So when you go into the promised land, there's blessings, there's cities you didn't build, vineyards you didn't plant, you know, a land full of milk and honey, but you've got to go to the promised land to get those blessings. Those don't, they're, not, they're not in the wilderness. You've got to go over there to get them. And the type and shadow is that, that where they've crossed the River Jordan, that's a type and shadow of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen? When they cross the Red Sea, that's the type and shadow of the baptism into the body of Christ. So when you leave, uh, when you leave Egypt, uh, then you leave in the world. Egypt is the type of the world. You cross the, the Red Sea. That's your baptism into the body of Christ. Not water baptism, but baptism into the body of Christ. Then you cross the River Jordan. That's baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's where all the blessings are. And it's a great message, right? You can go through and say, well, it's a prosperity. It's on the backside of being uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. Not on the backside of being born again, backside of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's a great type and shadow, right? The Lord, uh, and so we taught on this for, I don't know, you know, we're never in a hurry, so like, like weeks, right? Uh, but here's the problem with, with resentment. See, uh, uh, somebody will come up to you and whisper something in your ear. And that resentment will rise up again. And so somebody was whispering in his family's ear. You know, he, he just, uh, he needs to quit teaching out of the Old Testament. And see, it, see uh, for me, when, when I hear gossip, my shield of faith immediately rises up. You know, I ain't listening to that, you know. But see, people will do that. They'll do that, to all, all, all y'all in here, somebody's whispering in the ear on occasion, you don't need to go to that church, small church, storefront church, you know, that pastor, he's not special like all of us special, you know, whatever it is, right? <clears throat> and... And see, if, if, if you're smart, you'd be like, shut up. But see, if, if you've not been trained in these things, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, you're right. So, you know, I'm, I, and, and like I do, Sunday morning, got up and said, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy. I said about three words after that. The whole family got up, right? I'm preaching. The whole family got up and walked out the door. <laughs> Isn't that the funniest thing? Why? Resentment. They, got, they were resentful because I'm teaching. And, and then someone said, you're not teaching them anything. Like, I, don't know, I thought it was a pretty good message myself. I still enjoy the message, right? And if you, if you want to, you can go back and get the tape. We got the, there was a great message, amen? But see, resentment will, will, will cause you to be deaf and stupid, amen? And, and so the whole family got, never came back to church. And they said, we're starving. Like, you, you mean, I'm telling you, here's how to get all the blessings of the Lord just by being obedient to what the Lord says, here's a plan to get all the blessings that you have. Vineyards you didn't plant, cities you didn't build, right? Just walk in and here's how to get the blessings. That's not a good message? How is that not a good message? I still think it's a good message, amen? And it was a good message. I was there, I know, I heard it. Uh, and so, uh, it's, uh, but see, resentment, they, they got so resentful 
because I said, open up, op let's open up the book of Deuteronomy. And they said, I was starving them. <laughs> you know, and some things you just got to laugh. You know? now I, and, and I got so close, because I knew what they were doing. They got up and they got mad. I, I got so close to, to almost saying something. But see, the love of God will constrain you. Because my flesh wanted to say something, right? My flesh wanted to say, well, aren't you just really disrespectful? Because it wasn't that disrespectful. I mean, you could just hold your breath for 40 minutes. I mean, Sunday morning's not that long. Just, and just leave and never come back, right? Fine. But see, they had to make a point to, to intentionally disrespect the pulpit. They didn't respect, disrespect, disrespect me. They disrespected the Lord Jesus himself. He's the head of the church. He put me in this position. Amen? So, I mean, so someday they're going to have to answer the Lord Jesus. Because remember, the Bible says you're going to be judged for all the deeds on the body, both good and bad. He's going he's gonna, to, you watch. I, I mean, we're all going to be there, right? He, he's going to bring it up. Hey, you remember that Sunday morning? Yeah. What'd you do? Hang on just a second. Pastor Chip, come here. Okay, now, now tell me what you did. You know, those are going to be really uncomfortable. You know, now, is he going to, I suspect he's going to do these things. I don't really know, but I suspect he's going to, hey, why'd you do that? Don't you think that was disrespectful to me and the Spirit of God? Well, Lord Jesus, he taught on the book of Deuteronomy. <laughs> Jesus is like, well, didn't I write the book of Deuteronomy? I mean, I wrote it. I am the word after all. Didn't I put that on purpose in there? Uh, what, what about that? She didn't like, well, Lord, you know, the extra Jesus of that particular word, I'd have ran to that guy. You know, and, and, and Jesus like, whatever. Go to the back of the line. <clears throat> and so, uh, you know, walking in love, see when that resentment tries to rise up? See, I'm not doing that. Because that's, resentment is not God. They, he needs to know not to teach Deuteronomy. Based on what? I mean, what, what's your foundation for that statement, Right? Well, how is that the love of God? Because I could, I could read the book of Numbers. So-and-so begat so-and-so. So-and-so else begat so-and-so else. And it's still the word of God. And see, if you get resent, resentful about that, well, that's not on me. That's on you. Because the word of God is the word of God. You know, one pastor got up, he taught on love for a year. For a year. Every morning, for, on Sunday morning, for a year. Now, he was like 80 years old, and so they think, oh, he's just senile. He just, you know, see, that's resentment. He's senile. See, you see, you're adding to something that's not there. And so now you're getting resentful because the pastor keeps teaching over the same thing over and over again. And so finally somebody kind of went up, who was, you know, a brave, stupid person went up and said, Pastor, we notice that you keep teaching on the same subject for a year. Hey, why are you doing that? He said, I just figured when, whenever, you, whenever you learned it, I would go on to something else. And so he was doing that because the Spirit of God, they're not getting it. Go back over it again. So they were slow. The people were slow. It wasn't the pastor was wrong. The people were slow. And, and I have seen people just ruin their lives because of resentment. Just the piling up of, because see, again, resentment is just low-grade unforgiveness, right? And you're going to keep on getting it until you just, I've had enough. I had it up to here. Well, see, if you never get to here, you will never get to here. But see, if you'll deal with it when it's here, you'll never get to here. But people won't ever do that. They'll hear, and then hear, and then hear, and then, and then one day it's here, and you're like, how did I get here? Because you started down here, right? The first time she didn't turn off that light switch, that was the first time. And, it just, and it's like a piece of paper, right? It's just, it's so thin, right? It's just a small thing. But you get a 500 sheets of paper, that's pretty thick, right? You get 1,000 sheets of paper, that's pretty thick. And, and, and how many times have we gotten to 1,000 pieces of paper, and then we exploded, be like, what, 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 what happened? You know, well, you let that piece of paper keep on building up, amen? And so, so uh, if, we, if we will learn, 
uh, these things, we can be mo the most like the Lord. Because what I have found, if I will not do these things, if I, will, if I will remove these things out of my life, I will stay happy. I will stay out of depression. I will stay out of sadness. I will stay out of the mother grubs. I will stay uh, in prosperity. I'm I, I just, life is good. And, and when people say, well, they need to know. I, I never make that. See, that's just justifying my sin. When, when, I, when I have to demand, well, they, they need to know that they're not turning off the light. Who are you? Are you the sheriff of the body of Christ? You got your one bullet in your pocket like Barney. Remember Barney had one bullet in his pocket? That's all he would, the sheriff would let him have is one bullet because, you know, he couldn't be trusted with more than that. But we run around like this right here all the time. <clears throat> and what I, all week long, all I've seen is me. All week long, uh, meditating on resentment, I've just seen me. I've not seen anybody. Well, you know, they're resentful about me. But resentful about me. I, that, that has not been my thoughts all week. All week long, just little things, you know, here and here and here. Where they're just a few pieces of paper thick so far, easy to fix. See, if, if you get to a thousand sheets of paper, it's a lot harder to, to get rid of resentment if you've allowed it to go on for years. Amen? You know, I asked a, a friend of mine, uh, do you still go to the, the, such such church? No, I, I left. Why'd you leave the church? You know, there's some doctrinal thing. I mean, Peter, my God said, Jesus wasn't Lord. You all should leave. Right? Just all leave. Just go ahead and leave. Don't ever come back. You know, you don't have to pray about that. Just, you know, just leave. Don't come back. He said, uh, they paid the pastor too much. <clears throat> and, you know, when you, talk, when you talk about money, I mean, you want to see the level of resentment rise up really quick in a church? You get a church start talking about money, about your money. Well, they just want my money. Well, of course, we want your money. I mean, you know, we don't want, we don't not want your money. I mean, here, here's, here's a love offering pass. No, 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 we don't want your money. Of course, we, I mean, don't you want your money? If your boss ever come to you with your paycheck? No, 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 it's okay. No, no. Yeah, give that to me. And if it's a penny short, be like, hey, you're a penny short right here. You know, you better pay up. Uh, and so, now, how, how much resentment is in church because of money? I mean, so many people get, and, and for me, it's like, look, if you don't want to participate, just don't participate. It's okay. You don't have to be resentful about it, but just don't participate. You know, we were at church one time, and, and they came and received an offering. And, you know, I always try to, Lord, what do you want me to do? Okay, I wrote a check. And they left and came back a few minutes later and said, well, we didn't receive enough money. We're going to take up a second offering. <laughs> I went, praise God, but I didn't give anything the second time. Why? Because I already, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I gave him the first time, right? Now, I don't know about the guy next to me. He might have been in sin and not doing what the Lord told him to, but I did what the Lord told me to. So I didn't give the second offering, but I didn't get mad about it. And they just want my money. Well, uh, you know, it's none of my business. I leave it alone. Amen? And, and just, uh, you know, after my pastor died, you know, my pastor, he, he uh, I love him, looking forward to seeing him. Uh, in fact, my dear friend Tom is uh, meeting his pastor there for uh, now. He's in glory now with him. Uh, and, um, and so uh, after he passed, you know, and he struggled the last few years of his life, just, just kind of mean about things, you know, Jerry was there and just, you know, he really, he really had a hard time with, you know, he got kind of got caught up in things he shouldn't have been caught up with and, and just, you know, really it cost him his life. It cost him his, uh, he went to the grave early, unfortunately. And uh, I'm not mad about it. It's just, you know, this is what happened. And, and um, uh, But after he passed, someone came up to me and said, don't you wish we could get all that money back that we gave to him? I thought that is the most sinful, carnal statement I've ever heard in my life. Because I never gave. Because, see, that, you're, uh, that means you gave with an ill motive. That means you gave because you were expecting something back and that you, that you look back now that you didn't get what you were expecting and so now you want a refund. 
you, I always gave because, Lord, what do you want me to do? Okay. And what, what, what if they don't use the money right after that? None of my business. It's just not, I just refuse to be offended because somebody wants money. Amen? No, I'm not trying to get any money out of you. I'm, you do whatever you want to. And I always tell you, I'll do whatever you want to. Amen? If you give a dollar, fine. If you give nothing, I don't care. It's because it's between you and Lord Jesus. He's the one judging you, not me. I'm not your judge. He's not going to heaven. Hey, Pastor, how will you? Uh, not my business, Lord. That's, uh, that's between you and them, right? Uh, and so, don't you wish we had all that money we gave to him? And I gave thousands of dollars for my pastor, right? I mean, over the years, we were there for 20 years, right? Lots of money over the years. <clears throat> and, and so he said, I, I, I don't go to church anymore because they pay the pastor too much. Resentment. You know, resentment is, uh, is resentment love? Is resentment godly? Is resentment what the Lord looks like? No. And so it, it's never appropriate to be resentful. You know, you don't have to agree with something. Uh, <clears throat> you don't have to agree with something uh, for it to not be love. I mean, you can disagree with something and it still is okay, right? I mean, if someone comes and says, hey, you know, we want to we wanna, uh, buy the pastor, you know, a Lamborghini. I mean, you know, maybe, not, maybe I can't hook up with that, right? Maybe that's something I don't want to really want to participate in. Well, he shouldn't have that. Well, okay, now you're in judgment. Who are you to decide what he should and shouldn't have, right? You don't have to participate, but, and that's fine, right? It, it's always fine because if, if you don't have any unction in your heart to participate, that's perfectly fine, right? Because if the Lord says don't participate, well, then that's fine with me. Uh, but to, to then go past beyond that and to go in judgment, right? Well, see, now you're out of order, and now you're allowing resentment in your heart. And, I, and so I said, you know, to my friend said, well, how much is too much? Because that's a good question, right? How much is too much? I mean, if the church brings in, I mean, I know some ministers, they bring in $100 million a year. $100, $100 million a year. Well, they shouldn't have that much money. Who is it? Am I their judge? People get all, they shouldn't have that much money. That is resentment. They're none of my business. Well, isn't the Lord well able to take care of that? See, I refuse to get into resentment about somebody else. Amen. I'm not doing it. Well, you know, they fly those jet planes. None of my business. Praise God, you know, whatever they want to do. None of my business. Because see, if I, if I make it my business, then I, then I put myself in a position that I don't belong as their judge. Am I the head of the church? Are you the head of the church? Do they answer to you? Do they work for you? No, they work for the Lord Jesus. Well, I think they're wrong. Based on what information? Right? I mean, so if a church is bringing $100 million a year, What's the appropriate salary for the pastor? I don't know. Is there a number? I don't know what the number is. I don't really care. And so I said, so what's the number? I said, is a dollar? Is a dollar too much? No, 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 a dollar's not too much. Well, how about two dollars? Oh, I don't know. It's getting close. You know, and, and so, you know, so I kept pressing him because when people say things like that, I like to challenge that statement, right? I like to challenge, what's the number? Oh, thou man of God, what's the number? Because, see, resentment made him say that statement, right? And so, he, so finally, out of, out of desperation, he said, well, the pastor shouldn't make any more money than the poorest person in the church. Okay, okay. I said, well, where is that in the Bible? Do you have book, chapter, and verse for that? Well, I mean, it, it's a stupid thing because I, you go to any church, who's the poorest person in the church? The person makes zero dollars. Every church has got a person who makes no money. So that means no pastor should ever make a dollar. Even a dollar is too much. That guy over there, he makes nothing. So you can't make, you can't make more than him. You're wrong. <clears throat> well, what's the number? I mean, it's, it's, we take all the sides and we average it. Okay, then we only want rich people to come to church because we rich, average rich people, then, you know, then that's the right, the right salary for the pastor. 
It's just an absurd statement. What's the number? The number is whatever the number is, right? You got a board, ask the board, hey, you know, whatever. Now, and so, but, uh, but I see stuff like that all the time. Resentment. Love will never allow you to be resentful about anything. Doesn't mean you have to agree with it. Doesn't mean you have to support it. But see, if, if those emotions rise up and judgment rises up, well, that's wrong. See, if the Lord doesn't let me participate in something, I leave it at that. I don't, I don't judge. I don't say, well, that's wrong. I don't say it's wrong. I say, that's not something I can support. Because anything, that, see, that may be for me because the Lord may have something that he wants me to do with those finances over here instead of doing, participating in that over there, right? And so that doesn't mean what they're doing is wrong. You got to leave it alone, amen? And so, so resentment, a feeling of indignant displeasure or persistent ill will, persistent ill will. See, that's what it's just low-grade unforgiveness. That's something regarded as a wrong, injury or insult. Regard, you regarded it. It's wrong. Is not turning off the light switch really a moral failing? Well, she should respect me as the head of this household. See, resentment, right? <clears throat> and so, it, it's... Uh, uh, and, and the reason I'm kind of going over this is because the Lord has just been working me over all week on this. And I, I, I'm hoping you can see it the way I see it, right? I, I've not been, I've not beat myself up this week. I've not thought ill of myself this week. I'm not think, I, I've not thought, well, I'm a terrible Christian. I have thought about that. I've seen all these areas of resentment. I go, oh, wow, Lord, thanks. Man, because I could be a better person. If I could get all those things out of my life, all those areas of my life, how much happier am I going to be? How much more prosperous and healthy am I going to be if I just do what you've shown me, just get those things out? And look, none of you all, I can guarantee none of you will ever, would ever go, oh yeah, pastor right there, there. I mean, these things only the Lord knows. Even my wife probably doesn't know about these things. And that's fine. You know, I'm, I hope she doesn't know, right? She may be like, oh yeah, it's about time you got rid of that one. <laughs> and so, uh, so resentment never has an appropriate place to, have, to be in our life. Never. Again, it doesn't mean you have to agree with something. It's okay to disagree with things. It's okay to say, well, I, you know, I, I'm not going to do that. And it'd be okay. It would have been perfectly fine for, for me to tell my wife, hey, you know, um, it's okay if you turn off the light. <clears throat> it's perfectly fine, right? But I've just made it a point not to tell her that. Now, of course, now she's like under pressure because I've, I've made this public, right? I've exposed all of her deep, dark sins, right? You know, you don't turn off the light. What's wrong with you? <clears throat> and terrible wife. Isn't it a terrible wife who won't do that? I mean, it's awful, right? <clears throat> and so... But I made it a point myself that I will, you know, of course now it's open, but to all those years not to, not to say something about it for my benefit. So that when, when I go in there and turn off the light, I, I check, is that little man there? That little resentful man. When I turn off that light switch, is that little man, here it is again. There's that light again. Here's another time. See, if that and the little man's there, then the next day, I'm going to get that resentment out of my life. So that I can go over there and turn off the light switch and there's no resentment. And I have. I mean, I've gotten to where it's like, it's no big deal. Now it's kind of like, you know, uh, I'm keeping track of it now. It's up to 834 times, you know. But besides that, you know, it, it's, uh, I'm not going to hold resentment about her for these things. I'm going to do what I've got to do. Amen. What if she never turns the light off again the rest of our, uh, the rest of our natural days? Be fine. I don't care. I will turn it off every single day uh, and, uh, and never allow myself to be in resentment about it. Uh, the the uh, verse 5 there in the Passion Translation says, Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seeks its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. So that's resentment is quick to take offense. 
and not easily irritated. You know people who are easily irritated? Hi, well, who's asking? I mean, some people you just can't, you can't do anything about, say anything about it, they just get so mad. Just every little thing, right? Can't talk about anything, can't do anything. It's just, it's impossible, right? And so, uh, verse 6 there says, It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. You know, that, that should be an obvious thing for, for love, right? That we rejoice only when right and truth prevails. Uh, and, and we should never be happy when injustice or unrighteous, uh, unrighteous occurs. We should never be happy, well, they got what the, what's coming to them. See, that we should never take joy in that. We should never, ever uh, take joy. Uh, even if somebody, quote, deserves it, we should never take joy in, in the harm of other people, right? Because uh, uh, love just won't do that. Well, don't you think they need... Well, yeah, I mean, maybe they need to be talked to. Maybe somebody... Maybe they need to be put in jail. But see, I'm not going to have any ill will towards them because of that. <clears throat> see, see, love doesn't ignore things. Love doesn't say, well, just ignore everything and excuse everything. Love doesn't do that. Love can look at something and go, <clears throat> you know... Uh, uh, you know, there, there was... Uh, I, I was preaching one time in church. Again, this was after my pastor died. And I was doing the Wednesday night service, and I was teaching on love and mercy. Good topics, right? Uh, love and mercy. Uh, we should all know about something about love and mercy. And I made a point because we had gotten, as a church, we'd gotten in a really bad habit of when somebody left the church, man, we would have them for dinner, for breakfast, for lunch. But they're just in sin. They're out of the will of God, you know, because I'm God, and I know what the will of God is for their life. They're out of the will of God. They're, you know, look at the, I saw them the other day. They were all old looking. You know, that's what sin will do for you. And, and everybody left it. They, in fact, I remember one, one time uh, the, uh, the youth pastor left the church. And they said, they were never any help to the church. And it's the dumbest thing. They did so much work at the church. So much work. Never any help. Demonstrably untrue. Just not even true. <clears throat> and, and so, I got, and I was telling the church, now look, I've been there for 20 years. I think I had a, a, a right, in a sense, to tell them. It wasn't like I was a new person. I, mean, I, I saw them. I participated in it many times until I finally grew up and got out of that mess. Uh, but, uh, and I said, look, we, we do these things. Somebody leaves the church and we, and we just gossip about them. We lie about them. We tell them, you know, things. I said, it's wrong. And, and the second row right there, you know, empty seat right there, this Pharisee stood up and said, stood up in the church. I'm preaching. He stood up and said, we don't do that. I'm like, you're one of the big ringleaders, right? Wasn't he a ringleader, Jerry? He knows exactly who I'm talking about. <clears throat> you're a ringleader. Uh, and he stood up and rebuked me. We don't do that. Resentment, right? He, uh, uh, he, got, he got mad. He didn't tell me, you know, we always walk in love as he rebukes me and, and usurps authority, right? Uh, it takes a position. Because I'm preaching, right? If I'm preaching, then this is my pulpit, right? Right? Even if it was in my pastor's pulpit, I'm preaching. And I'm preaching the word. I'm preaching love and mercy, right? You can't go wrong with love and mercy. We don't do that. And so I, I said, well, you're, you're correct. I said, we, I said I, I did say that we all do that. And that was, you know, because sometimes, oftentimes the Bible says everybody's doing it. Well, everybody's not really doing it, but, you know, the majority of people are doing it. And, I, and so I, I agreed with him. I said, you're correct. I stand corrected. I said, the leadership does it. He was part of the leadership. And so he didn't like that, but still true, right? And, and you ever seen churches do that? Someone leaves a church, you're just out of the will of God, you know. And suddenly they became our enemy because they walked out the door. Like, you know, it's just, it's just a building. Aren't we all on the way to heaven? 
I mean, if you leave, you know, I'm not going to get mad at you because you leave, you know. I, I want you to stay, obviously. I'm not going to be like, hey, please leave, right? I mean, uh, except on occasion, I wouldn't mind a few people leaving. But, you know, uh, for the most part, I want people to stay. <clears throat> and so, but if they leave, I'm, they're not my enemy. You know, people have recently left the church here. They're not my enemy. And if they come back, hey, praise God, good to see you, right? And, and look, I encourage you, if people do come back, don't say, where you been? By the time you showed up, you know. Just go up and say, man, just glad to see you. Just, you know, aren't you glad to see them? You don't have to stand in judgment over them. It's not our job to judge them. Well, where you been? I don't know where you been, right? I mean, uh, just <clears throat> don't do that, amen? Because that's not love. Because if they come and say, where you been? Well, the, you're, you put them on the defensive. Now they feel judged, and they are being judged. You're judging them as if you think that it's, it's your responsibility to tell them that they're not coming to church like you think they ought to come to church. Is that your position? I don't even do that. As a pastor, I don't do that. Uh, you know, because... Number one, it's, it's not love, right? Because that would mean I have to stand in judgment of them. Now, if they ask me, you know, hey, why am I struggling in life? And you're know, like, well, you know, you come to church every six months, you know, I mean, it's probably helpful to come to church more, amen? <clears throat> I, I've got no problem doing that. Uh, but that fellow stood up and said, we don't do that. And the funny thing is, you know, eventually we left the church, right? The Lord said after, after a period of time, he said, time, time for you to go. A lot of stuff related to that. Time for you to go. And so we left. You know, we called the, the pastor's wife and said, hey, we're, we're not going to be back at the church. Well, are you mad about something? No. Did somebody say something you didn't like? No. <clears throat> you don't like how things are being run? No. Got nothing to do with anything. And they never did ask why I was leaving. They just was trying to find an excuse, you know. And there was no excuse. The Lord just said it's time to go. And, you know, if the Lord says it's time to go, I can leave and not be mad. I left and wasn't mad about it. I just left, right? <clears throat> and so that same fella, that right there, he, he lives five houses from my house. The day we left, my kids could no longer play with his kids. They're busy forever. Uh, and, well, I thought you said that you don't do that. I, I thought you said that when people leave, we don't treat them poorly. And I live in the same neighborhood. Our kids have grown up together. We go to the same school, and they're at each other's house all the time. And now, all of a sudden, they're busy till they're graduating college. I mean, <clears throat> well, what's that? This is resentment. See, he, he going, he's going to show me. He really showed me. You know, I'm really mad about it, you know. Uh, I mean, I don't care. Uh, it, it's, that's because that's between him and the Lord. So I'll leave it alone. Aren't you mad about him with that? No. Well, you know, you should be. <laughs> well, not if I'm going to walk in love. See, love, I can, I can acknowledge that, well, that was wrong. Because it wasn't wrong? Well, it was wrong for him to stand up and do that, right? I can acknowledge that. I can, I can observe that. But see, there's no judgment on the inside of me that, that uh, is resentful because he did that. I mean, if I saw him today, hey, how's it going? It wouldn't bother me a bit. I'm not going to be, because the love of God can, see, the love of God can see things. In fact, uh, you know, somebody else in the church, because everybody in the church was there, right? They saw what happened. And they saw that I was preaching on love and mercy. And why was he so rude and disrespectful? Because was he rude and disrespectful? Well, sure. I could say that with no animosity in my heart about it. It was. It was rude and disrespectful. I would never do that. I mean, I can't imagine doing that. You know, even if the doctrine was wrong, if it wasn't that wrong, I'd just let it slide and maybe talk to them after the service. But love and mercy, how, you can never be wrong. Anybody mad because I'm teaching on love today? You need to get over that love. You need to probably listen to the message about love before I get over it. Amen. <clears throat> and so, but someone else came up to me and said, uh, and they were just, they were just distraught. He said, why do you do that? And, and the answer was because he was rude and disrespectful. That's the answer, right? It's, I mean, it's not, 
It's, nobody put up to it because the pastor's already dead, you know, it wasn't him. He just got mad because, you know, usually when you throw a rock, it's the, the, the first dog you, that barks is the one you hit, right? And, you know, I was, I, I was making him uncomfortable talking about the things that he was doing, as, as well as me. I, I, you know, I admit I had done those things. I, had, I hadn't done them in years, but I had done those things. They talked about people that left the church. And so he got mad about it. And so they were just, they just, they just, because see, in their mind, love is, is always makes an excuse. Well, maybe they were just tired, or maybe they were just, you know, having a bad day. It doesn't matter. He was just rude and disrespectful. Out of, the, out of order is what he was, right? Way out of, I mean, like grossly out of order, like lightning strikes from heaven kind of out of order, right? I mean, you don't do things like that. You know, people that usurp authority like that, you know, it's, uh, the Lord is not pleased. The head of the church, not pleased, very displeased with that. Amen. There, there is a time and a place and an order to do things, and you don't disrespect the office. Amen. You don't disrespect the office of, of the minister at that time. Uh, and, and if you think that it's okay, well, you know, you deserve that. Well, you know nothing of the Lord. Amen. I would never, never do anything like that. Never. If it was wrong, you know, I would enclose doors. And, and there was a time when I went to my pastor. Uh, he, he had been teaching on some things, and, and, you know, he just got, he had a real problem with, with people that, that tried to take over the church. One, one lady prophesied to him, thus said the Lord, if you don't give your church up to my husband, you're going to die. People did stuff like that to him all the time. Can you imagine saying that? Thus said the Lord, right? And of course, uh, uh, Ezekiel says, uh, the prophets are saying, thus said the Lord, when the Lord has not spoken. And the Lord didn't say that. <clears throat> In fact, she died uh, a few months before my pastor died. You know, what, did the Lord kill her? No, her sin killed her, right? Uh, and so... <clears throat> So he dealt with a lot of things like that. And, and instead of dealing with it correctly in love, he got kind of bitter about it and, and, got, and got just uh, suspicious about people. And see, love doesn't do that. Uh, and, and so his way of dealing with it was, what he would say is, everybody that walks in that door right there is going to stab me in the back someday. He said, that way, see, I, I, I think that that way, when they do, it doesn't bother me. Well, that is not love. We haven't got to it yet, but later on it says love believes the best of everybody. And so that's a complete violation of the Word of God. To assume that everybody walks in the door is going to stab me in the back. That way, when they do, it doesn't hurt my feelings. Well, that is a psychological uh, way of dealing with things. That is not love. Amen? Love says, I believe the best of everybody. Everybody walks in the door thinks I'm the very best pastor in the entire world. Amen? And, and that's what I think. When you walk in the door, I think, oh, they think I'm the best pastor in the world, right? Uh, and so, because uh, I already know I am, so, you know, I'm just waiting for you to hook up with that. Uh, <clears throat> well, what if, what, if you, what if you tell me I'm not? Well, that's not on me, right? I mean, I've had people tell me I'm the worst pastor ever. Really, how would you know? Have you been to all of them? Have you met every pastor in the world? I mean, just, just excoriate. I mean, you're the worst. You know, you're starving the people. <laughs> like, well, whatever. And so he did that for like weeks at a, a period of time. He did it like every Sunday morning. All of you in here are going to stab me in the back someday. And you know, after a while, I'm like, well, Lord, I've got no intention to stab my pastor in the back. So I went and talked to him in his office. He said, Pastor, why do you keep saying that? I said, I've got no intention to stab you in the back ever. I will never stab you. And I never did. I will never stab you in the back. He goes, well, it's just, you know. And, and, and now look, I've got no problem. I, got no, I think it's perfectly healthy if if something like that's going on, you should go talk to your pastor. Right? If I'm saying, you know, 
Deuteronomy should be ripped out of the Bible or something like that. Come talk to me, you know, because it's wrong. If I'm up here teaching something wrong, come tell me. But see, that, those people got mad at me because I was teaching on Deuteronomy, you know, Deuteronomy. This is a great story, right? But, uh, uh, and so, uh, and, and you know, the, he never did that after that. He didn't apologize to me. He didn't tell me he was wrong, but he did stop doing that at least. So, and, you know, but really he kept it in his heart, you know, because years later, this is like five or six years later after he'd done that, there was some conflict going on in the church and he got mad at me. You know, this is too long of a story right now to go into because we're already past time, I know, but uh, maybe one of these days we'll tell you about it. He said, you told me you'd never stab me in the back and you stabbed me in the back. I was like, I didn't stab you in the back, you big baby. You know, I didn't want to say that because that would be disrespectful. But I, swear, I didn't stab you in the back. You asked me to do something. I did something. You don't like how it turned out. You don't like what I found because he asked me to look into some, some finances in the church. And, and he asked me, and I found some things that weren't right, and I told him these things aren't right. We should straighten them up. And he got mad at me. He said, I stabbed him in the back. Well, how can I stab you in the back if you told me to take the knife to begin with? I mean, you know, I'm cutting off a finger here, but you told me to do that. You told me to look and see if there's anything wrong with the finances of the church. And yeah, there were some things wrong with the finances of the church. And so, and look, when I found out it was the worst day of my life, when I'm looking over the books of the church and I realized this is wrong, worst day of my life, because I think I've got to go tell him this. And I don't want to go tell him this. And I prayed about it for weeks. Lord, I don't want to tell him this. Because the ramifications of telling him that this is wrong will be dire, you know, life-threatening. And for, for like five years after that, I was subjected to just hell. Every, I mean, every Sunday, calling my name out, accusing me of all manner of evil, because he asked me to do something, which I did, and he didn't like the results. And look, I'm, not, I'm really not mad at him. I look forward to seeing him someday. And I, and I will hug his neck. I'll be so glad to see him. And I can guarantee you, when I see him, he'll be like, I'm sorry. <laughs> because, you know, we all get to see the truth. When we get to heaven, we'll see the truth. He asked me to do it, amen? And he got so mad at me because I did that. And then he said, you stabbed me in the back. Something I had said to him years before, years before, he held it in his heart that I had the audacity to tell him that what he was doing was in violation of the Word of God. Well, why did I tell him that? Because what he was doing was in violation of the Word of God. I had book, chapter, and verse for it. You know, people have come to me, they never have book, chapter, and verse. They're just mad because they don't like... You don't have a men's fellowship. You got book, chapter, verse for having a men's fellowship? I mean, anything wrong with having a men's fellowship? Nothing wrong with having a men's fellowship, right? But, you know, we didn't have one at the time. We still don't have one right now, but, uh, you know, I, I would be okay with us having one, but I don't really want to do it. I've got plenty of other things to do, amen? <clears throat> and so, uh, I, you know, see, I went to him in love and asked him, you know, why are you accusing people of, of stabbing their back that hadn't done anything wrong? And I did it out of kindness. I did it with a desire to, to be a help to him. Amen. Uh, with no desire to usurp authority or to tell him, you know, which is not your job to tell the pastor that. You know, people, people say, uh, and I've heard people from the pulpit say, God will never use somebody of a lesser anointing to correct somebody with a greater anointing. Like, really? You got book, chapter, verse for that? Was, he, was a donkey more anointed than Balaam? Was Nathan the prophet more anointed than King David? I mean, that's just, a, that's, just, that's just a way to say, none of you all can ever tell me anything I'm wrong. I'm always perfect. That is not true. I'm close to the perfect, but I'm not perfect yet. You know, probably by tomorrow afternoon, maybe the day after that, I'll be perfect, right? But if I ever say anything that's not biblical, you've got a perfect right, privilege to come to me and say, hey, pastor right here, there's six verses right here that you, you're wrong. And so, you know, and I'd be okay with it. Now, you know, if it's something we just see differently, you know, we might have a discussion about it. 
but if you just gonna, you know, I had one person come to me and say, you love Kenneth Hagin more than Jesus himself. Like, really, have we ever met? Have you not ever met me to, to say something like that? I love Kenneth E. Hagin more than Jesus himself? Isn't that an absurd statement? Will you say his name more than Jesus? Really? You're, are you counting? Are you back there with a log book? You know, you mentioned him twice today. You know, there you go. And, and so I said, well, what about like Lester Sumrall? Is it okay to mention him? Oh, yeah, it's okay to mention him. Well, what about Smith Wilkesworth? Oh, he's fine, right? What about John G. Lake? Oh, yeah, he's okay. I said, but not Kenneth Hagin. Well, you know, you can mention him, but, you know, you mention him too much. And so now, now I got him. You know, you know, there's nobody smarter than the Holy Ghost, right? So then I said, okay, okay. I said, so what's the number? I mean, you said I mentioned him too much, but I can mention him a little bit, but not too much. So now what's the number? Because if, if, if a little's okay, but too much is too much, then what's the number? I said, how about two times in a service? Oh, yeah, that's okay. Hey, you like the name committee? Is there like a name-dropping committee that, that we got to form in the church that if I drop a name, right, mention Brother Hagin's name, that, that you got two times and that's it? Is there a book, chapter, and verse for that? There's no book, chapter, and verse. That's the most absurd thing, right? Oh, what about three? No, 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 no. And so, what about ten? Well, you know, yeah. how about fifteen? It's too much. And now I knew I really got them. I said, okay, fifteen's too much? Yeah. Well, where'd you come with that number? Why not fourteen? Why not sixteen? Because legalistic people hate to be ever confronted, right? And I'm just having fun with them because I don't care. I'm going to say whatever I'm going to say, right? I mean, if the Lord tells me to tell a story from Brother Hagin, I'm going to tell a story from Brother Hagin. The Lord's always had me follow his ministry. You know, I don't like it. I don't care. I mean, they're good. aren't they good stories? They're great stories. I mean, I don't have those stories. So I might as well use his stories. He's got some good stories, right? I didn't come off a deathbed. He came off a deathbed. And so, you know, I got out of bed, but that's not very interesting. I got out of bed this morning. Well, we all did. Well, he got off a deathbed. Okay, well, that's a little more interesting, right? And so, so 15 times are too many. Well, why not 14? Why not 16? Why not 13 and a half? What if I just mentioned Kenneth? Not actually Kenneth Hagen, just Kenneth, right? <clears throat> and so legalist people, they're so dumb, right? They're so dumb. You just, you just, you just, you just, it's so easy to, to deflect their, their legalism, right? Because uh, the Holy Ghost is smarter than everybody. And he got so mad. He just, right, right, right. He just got up and left. Uh, and so, uh, <clears throat> now I don't do that for everybody, but every now and then the Lord let me have a little fun with people and mess with them. Uh, most people, I just say, whatever. You know, I don't even respond, just whatever, you know. Uh, and so, because the, the love of God can be quiet. You know, I, I, I told you one person just gave me the riot act for like 15 minutes, all the things I do poorly as a pastor. Such a terrible pastor. <clears throat> and, um, and, and all that the Lord told me, of course, it made him really mad when I said this. Uh, at the end of it, I said, I said there's a thousand reasons why everything you just said was wrong. I said, I don't have time to tell you. I said, I hope you find a pastor that can help you. And I was sincere about that. And I hugged his neck and I left. And, and that was it. And, and, um, and so I wasn't mad at him because I really just felt sorry for him that, that some child, you know, uh, who hadn't done anything for the Lord really to, to speak of was going to stand in judgment over a pastor. And, you know, they've done that every church they've ever been to, right? Because they... You know, when people come, if you come here and you start telling me about how sorry your last pastor was, that, is not the, that does not impress me. Because I think, well, you're just going to add me to the list in a few months anyway. You know, you're going to talk about me just like you talked about him. So it doesn't impress me when you tell about how much better I am than your last pastor. 
because I'll just be on the list shortly because you're not going to like something I say or do. No doubt, right? And so, but the love of God, see, I I can tell those things. There's no animosity. You know, if I saw them today, in fact, I saw that person not long ago. Hey, good to see you, you know? And and I will intentionally check my own heart. You know, if that little man rises up, Lord, I got work to do. You see, if that resentment rises up because of things they've said or done to me, then, then, I, then I look at it in my own heart. I've got, I've got things to do. doesn't matter whether they are right or wrong. I've got things to do. And I would just encourage you, you know, th- this verse 5, it, it's such a good verse, right? We're going to get to verse... Uh, uh, see, verse 5 is what love is not. Ver- and we read verse 6 and verse 7, uh, which we'll probably get to next week, is what love is. So it, it gives us a good uh, contrast there. But verse 5, especially, just if you'll meditate on that verse, man, uh, the Lord will work you over. I mean, you will be worked over. You will be exhausted at the end of a week or two if you'll meditate on verse 5. Oh, there's so much I've got to fix. Yeah. I mean, so much. Uh, and, and, and I look at my life, you know, and, and, you know I, and to be honest, you know, I'm thinking, I'm doing pretty good. I've been studying love for a long time, and, and the Lord just listened to this last week. Like five to seven different things, you know, right there, attitude, that word you said over there, that thought you had when they did that, you know, just little things, right? <clears throat> yes, sir. I'll be glad to fix them all, all of them, and I'll be better for it, amen? And so <clears throat> when we get ready to leave, let's all leave the lights on and see what happens, right? See if I get mad, right? <clears throat> and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we do thank you for your word, and, Father, we do thank you for the love of God. You said, Father, that your love is shed abroad in my hearts. This very moment, Father, I have the agape love of God living in my heart. Everywhere I go, Father, I'm carriers of the love of God. Father, I, <clears throat> I can always respond in love. Sometimes that, that makes people uncomfortable. Father, sometimes it encourages them. Sometimes, Father, it's, it's, it's not saying anything. Whatever your love directs, Father, is exactly what I'm willing to do. Father, I have the capacity to be quiet. I have the pa- capacity to speak. And I have the capacity, Father, to seek things clearly exactly as they are, Father. Without any judgment or, or any, any condemnation, Father, I can still see clearly. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Now, I'd really encourage you. This, this, I, just, in, in my, I just sent such, a, such a, uh, um, an exhortation to, to meditate on these, on these verses, right? Especially wherever you're at, meditate on these verses and let the Lord uh, work you over. Because every time I, I teach on, the, on the, uh, the love of God, man, the Lord works me over. Just work. And, I, and I'm never despondent about it. I don't feel bad about myself. I don't get in the mother grubs about it. I, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm not, it's not like I look forward to the Lord telling me how wrong I am, but I look forward to how the kind of person I can be after the fact. Amen. I look forward to that person that I will become. Amen. Uh, and so, <clears throat> well, let's get ready to receive this morning's uh, tithes and offerings. And, and as we do that, there's two things I wanted to mention to you all about. Uh, one is uh, we're going to have to buy uh, oh yeah, uh, we'll do communion next week, Jared. Uh, we're a little late today, so um, we need to buy a new computer. So we've got one computer that's in the sound booth. It's actually um, 11 years old. Well, it's just over over 10 years old, and so it's been a good computer, but we can't update it anymore. So the things that we're using it for can't be done with it anymore because it's old, right? <clears throat> and um, doesn't mean if you're old, we can't use you. It's just it's a computer, right? And so. Uh, it, can't up, it can't be updated anymore, so uh, we've got to buy a new computer that costs a couple thousand dollars to do that. 
Uh, and uh, we still owe on the roof, uh, right? When so when we did the renovation, we weren't planning on putting a new roof on the church, but it was necessary because of the way the, the roof turned out. Uh, and, and so that's why we decided to do the roof on the outside because the, the plan originally was to put spray foam on the rafters, but I was uh, told that I would be tased if I did that. Uh, and so we put a new roof. So, so they gave us a 12-month same-as-cash deal on the roof. We paid it uh, half down. We got the roof. So we still owe about $27,000 in the roof. We've got to get it paid off by the uh, middle of the year or so. So we got $27,000 there, $2,000. And so why am I telling you that? Well, just, you know, if you want to participate in it, it's great. If, if you can't or don't, it's, it's okay, right? Uh, you should never, ever be under pressure because I'm never going to put you under pressure. I want you to know about that. If you want to participate in that, you can mark on your offering envelope. This is for the roof or for the computer. Uh, and, um, <clears throat> and so uh, we'll get, the Lord's always provided. He always will. He always has. Uh, no problem. Amen. Uh, and so, but I do want you to know about that because sometimes the Lord will, will prompt you to, hey, participate in that. Amen. Uh, and, um, and so I just wanted to know about that. So $27,000 for the roof, a uh, couple thousand dollars. We haven't got it specked out yet on the, on the computer there. Uh, but Jared's one man show, right? So uh, anything we can do to help Jared out uh, is to our advantage, right? Because he does everything back there. Uh, and so, all right, praise God. Is the Lord good to us? Has he been kind to us to grant us uh, prosperity and wealth? And, and in fact, the Old Testament says that he has given us the power to get wealth that his covenant might be established. And that's really the primary intention of the, the prosperity the Lord gives to us is that his covenant is established in the earth. And so we thank God for that. Amen. We'll come ahead, Mr. Jared. And uh, don't forget, uh, get your calendar uh, back there on the back table there. This is for your personal benefit, right? We might let this go on another week or two uh, if some people don't show up to church. But um, after that, we're cutting you off. You have to pay money like all the other people, right? Uh, and so, uh, but it's a, it's a good resource, amen? And one, chapter, one verse a day, you can read one verse a day, right? Uh, and it's on healing, so it'll help you build your faith on, and live in divine health, amen? Uh, and so, the Lord is good, amen? Uh, and, and we're actually getting ready to head down to uh, Pensacola. I normally don't schedule two trips like this back to back, but Brother Randy's down in Pensacola, so we're going to be headed down there. Uh, and so he'll be there all week. And uh, looking forward to seeing Brother Randy again. I got to see him. You know, I told you this on this trip last week. I got to see him because he, he's like all the other uh, people in Mecca there at Tulsa. He was over there, and so uh, we got to go up in his airplane. And uh, he's got a, a new uh, twin-engine airplane there, <clears throat> and. Um, now, we, it was good to see him, right? It was good to fellowship with him. My, uh, Brother Randy's a, a, a great friend, amen? Uh, and so be blessed. Have a wonderful week in the Lord, and uh, we'll see you uh, next Sunday.